Welcome to Everyday People Podcast with me, Nyung Bo. I'm your everyday person whose mission is to give everyday people a platform to share their incredible story, learnings and life tools to inspire you to dream and live your best life. I believe that you don't have to be famous, turn over a million plus a year, have lots of degrees or be in a high position to have something powerful to share and leave a positive impact in your community. I believe the only prerequisite is that you are being you and you are living the amazing life that is meant to be for you. That is enough to inspire me to go live my best life. Will you join me on this journey of sharing, learning and living alongside everyday people? Today's guest is an interesting one. I am in awe of his story and his choice to live an extremely simplistic lifestyle, one that I can probably never do myself. His name is Michael Creer. I met him in a beautiful regional Victoria town called Dalesford a few weeks ago when I was visiting a girlfriend. He is a civil engineer from Brisbane who one day decided to leave his corporate job, hop on his bike and ride his way to a life in Dalesford to learn about permaculture, connect with the community, practice yoga and take pressure off the need to make a lot of money. Welcome Michael, thanks for being here today because I know it's not easy to get you to Melbourne since you live in Hepburn. My first question for you is... Tell us a little about your life in Brisbane and about that moment the seed was planted in you to make that drastic life shift. So my life, yeah, I grew up in Brisbane, pretty well off, just on the west side of Brisbane, pretty much just liked rugby league. I was good at maths, didn't know what to do, so I became a civil engineer. I worked in Brisbane, the Gold Coast, for about three years in project management. I started noticing that When we came back from weekends and that, there were people in the office that were very experienced and very good at their job and they were just boring people. (laughs) (laughs) I had to get out there and I thought I need to take some, you know, a year or two off and I need to like have something interesting to talk about in life. So I eventually left. So basically you were bored. Not that people were boring, but you were bored. You probably haven't maybe spoken to the people in your office enough to know what else they do. Yeah, so how did you manage to make that decision to leave? I was very, I'm always been very interested in the bush. And when I was growing up, I thought that meant being a farmer. And I was looking for jobs on a farm just to escape. And I didn't really know what. I just wanted to get out there. And I used to watch shows like Landline on ABC. And I was just inspired by the farmers that were using like science and new ideas to be more productive. So I just took the first job on a farm that I could find. And that was in central Queensland. And it was on a free-range pig farm, which had beautiful ethics and principles that they farmed with and a lot of love for the animals and the land. Is that part of permaculture? It is. Like, it's little elements of it. Mm. It's not like the complete permaculture, but that was a big part what inspired them. And that's where I was first introduced to permaculture. Yeah. So can you quickly explain to us what permaculture is? It's a living, a sustainable culture. It originally was about permanent agriculture, but then that quickly became about permanent culture. So it's a culture that can be sustained as opposed to most of modern Western culture, which is really taking over the world of extraction. And So what do you mean by sustainable? Something that can keep going on. So it's something that will last indefinitely. Well, I guess with pig farming, a lot of pigs are in sheds, which they feed them solely grain. The grain comes from farms where they're just mining the soil 
and the top soil is getting lower and lower. It's just like the plants have to grow out of something. So they're growing and they're taking the minerals from the soil and then it's getting exported to these farms, uh, the pig farms, and you're just running out of topsoil. Mm. It can't go on forever. And that's why we pretty much run out of topsoil. Mm-hmm. How is Pembroke different to that? It's about keep building your soil. It's not about exporting products. It's about building life in your soil, building carbon in your soil, drawing it from the atmosphere so that you can continue having produce into the future. Your topsoil is not getting smaller and smaller until it becomes bedrock. Can you quickly explain what permaculture is to you? To me, it's about living responsibly on this planet, but that's maybe maybe that should be my biggest motivation, but really my biggest motivation for permaculture is it's just shitloads more fun. We're living with less, we're living sustainably, but we enjoy what we're doing. We're producing our own food, we're living outdoors in nature, we're not working that hard. So yeah, I did read your blog and your first blog you mentioned that you came back from a voice trip and you met some people who's ridden and across, was it Northern Territory or something? It was across the Nullarbor with a mate. Sorry, where's that? Uh, South Australia. Yeah. That inspired me for, yeah, the bike trip because I saw an old fella, he was riding across there and I was like so in awe of what he's doing and he wasn't like professional cyclist. He was in cut-off jeans and, you know, his sleeves cut off and had like leathery arms and I was like, oh, where are you going? And he's like, I'm going around Australia. I'm like, how long is that going to take? And he's just like, uh, I don't know, however long it takes. And I was like, wow, like no time frame because until then like my mind was so much you know as an engineer like time's money yeah yeah like every day you know the slower you go the slower it's going to be till you get back so you can keep earning money like no time frame it's just freedom I just wanted you to go more into you know how did your friends react how did your family react when you told them this idea of the bike trip because I've kind of already left so I'd gone to the pig farm for nine months yeah and then from there I went and worked in in Samoa I worked with my father on a project as a civil engineer. So I'd sort of gone back to it, Mm. which I guess like everyone sort of expected. I was just going to take a break. But once I'd been out of it for nine months, going back to engineering, I was just like, this is not fun. I didn't want a job after that. I just wanted to do that project because it's over in Samoa. It's beautiful. But over there, I had so much free time on the job that I used to just read permaculture books and any blog I could find about cycling around Australia and I planned with a mate to cycle around Australia probably my biggest motivation at the time was how expensive when people do drive around Australia it, at a mate it costs like 15 grand in fuel and it just seemed like the sort of thing that it was a once in a lifetime trip that people maybe got to do and I thought actually if you did it on a bike you could probably do it for under a grand and my idea was that because I love foraging I love wild foods and I thought I'm going to forage in between places um, and volunteer at farms for food. And then in between farms, I would just be foraging. I'd take flour, water and salt. And I thought I'm going to get around Australia for under $1,000 because people today, I think they waste too much. Uh, They're so entitled. And I know this this is tricky because like people, you know, houses and affordability of things is so much higher but we are also incredibly wasteful and sure a lot of people won't be able to buy a house in the middle of Melbourne, but why do we need a house in the middle of Melbourne? Everyone can buy a tent. 
<laughs> we can live in a tent and it's and it's better than most people think. And you can travel around Australia for nothing. I love that. Like now I am inspired to learn how to ride a bike. So I can ride to wherever. I don't need a plane. I don't need a car. and save money. And um, maybe not forage because I don't know the difference <laughs> between something that's poisonous. <laughs> but how are you brave enough to decide that, yeah, you can forage and eat stuff? straight from the ground. <laughs> well, I had a couple of books with me. Um, the Weed Forager's Handbook was is probably my favourite and it's a lot about introduced species. Is it Australian, that book? It's Australian, yeah. but a lot of the plants are introduced, so weeds, which actually like most of them are the healthiest plants you can eat. Weeds? Weeds. Oh, my God. The first time I got the book, I was actually in Melbourne with an ex-girlfriend and we decided to go for a walk out from a house just to see what we could find. In two hours, we found nearly everything in the book. Oh, my God. Can I please have a look at that book? Maybe I'll start eating weed soon too. <laughs> you see people, like, struggling to grow lettuce while they're poisoning dandelion, which is, like, top five most nutritious plants in the world. Extremely healthy, and it just grows all over people's lawns, and they're trying to dig it out and poison it. If you can make a nice stir-fry with oyster sauce, maybe, maybe I'll try it. <laughs> but they're also not as fun. The, the leafy greens, they're very bitter, very healthy. But I think at the beginning of my trip, I was mainly eating berries, blackberries, raspberries, wild strawberries. So when you were planning um, your trip down to Dalesford, how did you organise those places, the farm stays and that? Was that ahead of time or just Yeah, just by? like one place ahead of time. But I'd, I'd started and I went to Stanthorpe and then I went into Nimbin, then Kunga, and then to Mwoolumba, and that was my fourth place I went to. Uh, that's northern New South Wales. And I was there for three weeks I was going to be there, and I stayed there for eight months. Wow. Just play it by ear and see, you know, who you connect with. Yeah, well, that's the thing. When you don't really have strict timelines, if you just like a place, why leave? Mm. And what kind of farm was it there? The one at Mwoolumba, and it was a, it was a Hare Krishna temple. And then connected to it was a yoga community. Mm. And I went there because I had a permaculture course on and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just go and maybe I'll learn some, meet some other people that are into permaculture. Um, but I got there and it was about 40 volunteers from wow. all over the world. Oh, my God. All sorts of, like, views and it was so much fun. Wow. Like, being around that many young people. I didn't even know you guys existed. <laughs> That's really cool. I, I was completely shocked and then I just didn't want to leave. You know, two yoga classes a day, philosophy, just working in gardens, learning permaculture. Yeah, so why did you choose Dalesford to be where you settled? So I left the Krishna village at the end of last year to come down to Ballarat or Invermay near Ballarat to do a permaculture teacher training. And while I was down here, the co-founder of permaculture, David Holmgren. He lives in Hepburn. And I thought, well, permaculture is my big driving thing in life. If I'm this close, it's worth a shot to go and volunteer there. So I sent them an email. Actually, I know that they weren't really taking many volunteers at the time, but Meg Ullman, who works in the office there, she's a big uh, touring cyclist. And I think that because she got my email and saw that I was a touring cyclist, she was like, yeah, let's get this guy here. So I got to booked in for three weeks to live at Maliadora where it's like the home of permaculture worldwide, mm. I think. Mm. Wow. So in the last year, how have you practised permaculture in this lifestyle? 
what are some examples of things you're doing on a day-to-day basis? When people think of permaculture, they think of gardening, which <laughs> ironically, like, I haven't really done that much gardening. I did a little bit when I was a kid and I've only really started planting my own garden using permaculture a couple of months ago. So that's not my biggest way that I show permaculture. For me, it's about living low carbon lifestyle or low impact lifestyle. Mm. So it's riding my bike instead of driving a car. It's eating locally. I hardly have bananas unless someone comes down and brings them from Queensland. Um, Yeah, eating locally and low carbon lifestyle. So it's about not having an impact, a negative impact on the environment or minimising it as much as we can. Give me more examples. I want to learn. I want to see what I can implement. Even though I can't fully live the way that you live, if there's some routines that you do that I can pick up, I'd do it. I haven't bought new clothes. I buy some clothes from the op shop, but mainly I get given clothes especially being like the poor Queensland kid coming into winter in Victoria. (laughs) Um, People gave me some woolen clothes. I found some clothes. I found a beanie on the road, which I know sounds a bit sus, but it was just sitting there like it had been placed. It must have just fallen off a car. And I was like, that's a nice looking beanie. (laughs) And it's like brand new. It's made of possum fur and merino wool blend it's like an over a hundred dollar beanie wow you went home and googled it and like okay this is jackpot (laughs) so I like like that you mentioned the clothes you mentioned the food I think there must be more to permaculture yeah well there's that aspect of community that we really we really want and that's regardless of whatever your philosophy is and I think surrounding yourself with like-minded people makes it very easy to live by your values. Uh, and that's something that's great about the Dalesford area. You know, I want a social life too. And around there, there's a group of maybe 12 of us, all kind of our age. And we have potlucks, sometimes three times a week. Yeah. And everyone brings homemade food and it's organic and, you know, consciously made. And you have a social outing that costs nothing. And that's, that's a huge part of it. Because we don't want to be self-sustainable and live like in the mountains alone because we get bored, most of us. You want that community aspect. Yeah, to have that so close surrounding you makes it very easy to live that way. Mm. Like I've come down to Melbourne this weekend and you see a lot of people out there living very differently and there's all this temptation, there's advertising and smells and things and you can be strong and reject it for a bit but it gets you in the end like... It's so powerful to surround yourself with like-minded people. Mm. So you brought in your journal today. Is there something in there you want to share with us? I've actually been writing for about three years now, maybe four years. I started writing because I was like, oh, my life's pretty interesting. Like, It's a shame <laughs> to forget yeah. what happens every day. This journal started on the 7th of January this year, and this entry was from 12th of January. This is when I was in Melbourne just before I went up to... Uh, Meliodora. This is the morning before I left Melbourne to head up to Hepburn. Tough day today. It was nice this morning hanging with Jade. We were just singing songs together and watching permaculture videos. I left Melbourne a bit after one o'clock. I was enjoying it so much but was having trouble getting out of Melbourne. Also I realised I'd lost my gloves. I started to really struggle about 40 kilometres in. Then Google took me through the forest, which at first 
were dirt roads that became tracks, some too tough to ride on. It slowed me right down, and the only thing that kept me going was that I ran out of water. I drank about four litres and was now very thirsty. I eventually made it out, but was too shy to ask anyone for water. Aww. Till I had completely emptied my bottles. I went into a nice place, and the couple there were very friendly and filled my bottles. I was too shy to ask if I could camp on their lawn, so I kept going. The side of the road wasn't wide enough, so I ended up throwing my bike over a lower part of a fence and setting up around 9pm. I hope no one sees me, but I don't have much choice. Also, I have a jar of tahini for dinner, but now my mouth is too dry to swallow it. Oh my gosh. Wow. That's, yeah, really good for helping me to picture what exactly what it was like for you. Yeah, there's a few days like that cycling. The whole journal, like, I'm too shy, I'm too shy. <laughs> but because you were shy, the journey was different for you. Maybe yeah, some you people, it. like, really, like, you know, they go cycling and they'll ask anyone for water and yeah. chat to people. and. I didn't expect that because what you were doing was really brave. So I didn't expect that the shyness would kind of get in the way, and it did. But you made it there probably faster because you weren't hanging around too long at each person's place. <laughs> yes, that's true. But being shy doesn't really stop you cycle touring. It actually like suits cycle tourers quite mm. well, especially on your own. I spent three weeks pretty much on my own. And once a week, I would go and stay at someone's place on the way down just so I could recharge my battery from my phone and have a shower. What was it like for your mind? Yeah, people think that on the bike, you can have all this time to philosophize and think and like listen to podcasts. But there's so much, so much going on. Just watching nature and you slow down and you're seeing the road as an environment. Uh, and there's so much to engage in. And because you're constantly moving, everything's changing. It's very easy to ride just watching. Wow, I think you've got me hooked. Like I'm just picturing what it'd be like. I want to do it too. I can tell one story one day writing. This one like is in an old journal, so I don't have it. But this was a day somewhere in sort of western New South Wales coming down. And it was about 40 degrees that day. So I stopped in the middle of the day just because it gets too hot and have a nap at a park. And I kept going in the afternoon and it was so hot. And being a Queensland, I'm used to humidity. So you, you know when it's hot. But as you get further down south and it's a dry heat, you don't realise how hot it is until you go and drink your water and it tastes like tea. And then your body's oh just like, how do we cool down now? So I kept riding, started rationing my water because I was getting low and it was already hot and I got mild like sunstroke from it. But I couldn't stop anywhere because in this part of the country, the fences are right on the edges of the, of the road and there's no trees. So I had nowhere to camp. I just had to keep riding, keep riding. Oh, my God. And I usually start looking for a camp spot after about 120 kilometres for the day. It took me another 30 until I finally found a, a few little trees to camp under. And that night, the winds were just howling and a lightning uh, storm came in. And I'm out in the middle of nowhere in this tiny little bunch of trees with a metal bike next to me with lightning around. Oh, my gosh. And so I've got my bike and I've put it about 30 metres away thinking, like, if lightning's coming down here, it might just take the bike from yeah. me. But, yeah, Smart. got through that night. Yeah. Wow. What a journey. So 
we hear a lot of good things about permaculture and this shift in your life, but what are some of the struggles that you had to go through or, you know, that you didn't realise that you have to deal with? What are some things people should consider if they were to do something like you? Um, One is probably money. No, not really, because I actually got a healthy little bank balance from my previous life as an engineer. So I've never felt the stress of money. Very privileged person. Um, Even though I don't use it, it's there. I think the biggest struggle, and it's just summed up by this saying that once you know, you're fucked. (laughs) That to me refers to like I'm going home to Brisbane in a month's time. I got a mate's wedding that he's my best mate. I want to go home for that. Mm -hmm. But the train costs over $400 each way. So I'm not going to do that. Planes, I think almost symbolically, are one of the most destructive industries in this modern world. And they're so convenient and so cheap. It's so fast. It's so tempting. But I've committed to not flying, at least not like a two-way ticket, you know, like Mm. maybe one day I'll go on a one-way ticket somewhere. But So it sounds like you're restricted to one place if you're you know following this lifestyle you don't get to travel much so you kind of surround yourself with the same community for the rest of your life no not quite I don't think you're restricted but you're restricted from that easy quick travel so how are you going to get to Europe for example are you going to row a boat there (laughs) I reckon someone on a yacht would take me up to like Southeast Asia and then I'll ride from there to get to Brisbane I'm going to ride my bike And I'm going to set myself the challenge of two weeks to get to Brisbane, which then becomes not that slow considering people might do the drive in three or four days. So you also brought in a book, which I love the cover of it. It looks beautiful. What's it called? And do you want to share something from there? The Art of Frugal Hedonism. Uh, First, this is by Annie Razor Roland and Adam Grubb. And I think when I was first introduced to permaculture and I was sort of Googling what it was, I think it was a podcast with Annie Razor Roland on it and uh, that was the sort of first thing I ever listened to and then I got into this book. But the book is about hedonism, so it's about enjoying sensual pleasures. So all the touch, taste, mm. smell, all, all the stuff, it's about enjoying yourself. But it's about being frugal as well. This really like sums up permaculture for me because a lot of people think that you're living restricted, you're not going to enjoy yourself as much. Because we're really stuck in this trap of having to spend money to enjoy ourselves. And this is about like freeing yourself from that and still enjoying yourself, usually enjoying yourself more because you're not trapped into earning money to then spend money on things you don't really enjoy. You're just being told you enjoy Mm. through advertising and all that crap. Do you want to read something from there? I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, you can go spend money on um, to go watch a movie and then have to buy the food and the drink to go with it or, you know, however you get there is going to cost money or you can just go for a walk in the bush and yeah. it's free and you probably enjoy it more and you'll be healthier after it. It's got all these extra benefits. Yeah, and then there's all these different uh, ways that it can suit different people. Mm. One Australian study calculates that for every hour spent driving a Toyota Land Cruiser, the average owner spends another 1.5 hours working to pay for it. The study also points out that if the owner had to pay for the car's externalities, those costs borne by society, 
of CO2 emissions, traffic congestion, and the cost of road accidents, they'd need to work for another 0.6 hours for every hour behind the wheel. That puts the effective speed of a Land Cruiser at 9 kilometres per hour. Not so convenient after all, eh? A bicycle, by the way, with its far lower purchase running and externality costs, clocks in at a relatively speedy 18 kilometres per hour. Can you sum that up? Because I'm not across all of that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it costs money to run a car. And to get the money, you have to do work. So if you drive your car for an hour, not only is that hour in the car, but you've got one and a half hours working to pay for that hour. So it's actually two hours or two and a half hours to get you that distance, that time in the car. Mm. Whereas on the bike, you don't have to pay for that. You don't have to work that hour to then ride your bike. Yeah. Okay, wow, that's deep. So it seems slower on the bike, but you saved an hour by not having to work to pay for that, the fuel, all the other costs around cars, you know. They're 15 grand a year on average. So I, I guess that book makes you, like when you work, you need to be more intentional with it and think, where is this work or this money? Where is it going to? Because these are the hours I put into it. Last year I earned, I think, about seven grand. And I'm like loving life. I'm really healthy. I get so much exercise. I just have so many friends. I have like pretty nice clothes. <laughs> I've got freedom to do whatever I want. Like it's when you're kicking the footy with mates on a weekday when everyone's at work, you feel so alive. I've got that complete freedom. And, and, you know, I'm very privileged, so it's very easy for me to live that way. But I think most people can probably maybe not live as live like me, but there's a lot of steps people can do to work less and enjoy life more. Mm, wow. That's what, we, that's what we all want. We that's, want to enjoy life. That's a really good thought to leave everyone with. thank you so much i'm just mind blown at the moment but let's just get straight to the five quick questions because i'm just speechless for now (laughs) explain to us your favorite yoga pose or routine yeah i have two favorite Mm. i love uttanasana the forward fold and you Mm. just lengthen out your hamstrings yeah i also love downward facing king pigeon pose oh my god because of the name I have not tried that before. I think I'm not that good. And it's great. It's pretty good. Open up your hips. Nice. What are your Mondays for? For? Yeah. Like, what do you usually plan for your Mondays? I'm doing a bit of carpentry work at the moment on weekdays. So if the sun's out, I'm doing a bit of carpentry work. Oh, no. Mondays. Mondays is about volleyball. It's like my favorite day of the week. That's right. But that's Monday night. Um, so, yeah, Mondays are about thinking about volleyball all day. <laughs> I'm so competitive and... What was the last adventure that you went on? I don't know. My whole life is an adventure. It was an event. It's an adventure coming out of Melbourne. I was just like walking through Melbourne yesterday until my feet started really hurting. What is your spirit animal? Oh, it's a pig. Oh my god! <laughs> so what does that mean? How, why do you choose a pig? When I first left engineering, I went to a free-range pig farm, mm. and they are just so beautiful, and they're so symbolic. They've changed my life. So does that mean you can't eat? the pig do you eat pork still i do we have a free-range ethical pig farm near dalesford uh, jono farms whenever we have potlucks usually someone's living there or someone brings the sausages from there so i do eat them but i don't eat commercial 
pork. So if I cooked you dinner tonight with pork from Coles, you won't eat it? To me, about not doing harm is broader than how the pig is raised or how the animal is raised. There's like a social harm and if it's a one-of, not to fight with a friend over meat, sometimes it's better to just eat it. Mm. You know, it's already been bought. Mm-hmm. Eat it. Um, I know. So that's good. That means you're open-minded yeah. still. You're not a brick wall. Because I mean, everyone's different. The last question. <laughs> we might already know the answer to this because you mentioned it before. But what's the most expensive thing that you own? Is it that beanie or is it something more expensive? <laughs> <laughs> I have an apartment in Brisbane. Wow. Okay, that is pretty expensive. <laughs> good job. <laughs> I wish it was a little bit more expensive because I'm trying to sell it. So that's it. Thank you so much for joining me. I've learned lots. I want to read more about permaculture. I want to talk about it more and, yeah, maybe implement some small things into my life. I mean, I don't shop as much anymore. Maybe I should stop shopping and just go to the op shop. All right, <laughs> let's wrap it up. You've just listened to the Everyday People podcast with Young Vo. You can find out more about Mick at Permaculture Pedals on Facebook. Listen to more episodes of the Everyday People podcast with inspiring everyday people on iTunes or Spotify. <laughs>